smells so holy, just like chrism. I just came from the chrism mass, and I was sitting so close to the table where the bishop poured the, where the chrism was sitting there in a couple pitchers. Yeah. It's a balsam before they pour it into the olive oil. Mm -hmm. And then that's mixed up together to bless the, they use the word consecrate, to consecrate the holy chrism, sure. which will be used for confirmation. And uh, it was used, of course, in the dedication of our church, the altar and the walls. Right. And it's used uh, for ordination. And baptism. And baptism. Okay, yeah, the chrismation of baptism. But anyhow, I think we should start by saying hi. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. This Happy is Holy Father, Week. And this is Father Herb, and that's uh, Michael Puppas. Did you forget my name? Not quite. Uh, uh, welcome to the 23 Podcast. And number? We're at 99. Number 99. Should we tell people to tune in next week for the great big celebration of number 100 we really got to figure out what we're going to do for 100 well we haven't figured out what we're going to do for 99 yet live from mr freeze the 23 podcast oh you know i was going to have coffee and donuts but mr freeze sounds better it's it is easter week it, we have to celebrate in a big way okay we'll figure that part out anyway we are recording on tuesday of holy week there's so much unfolding before us but let's look back a day first monday yesterday yesterday was the the big fire. Oh, yes. Notre Dame. Uh, by the way, people are doing their best to call it by the French name, but they keep saying Notre Dame in French is Notre Dame, like, almost like N-U-T. Like a nut? Notre? Yeah, yeah, Notre Dame. Notre. And the, so if you the really R want to e, sound. The R-E is just sort of Notre. You don't, you don't say Notre. It's Notre Dame. Well, and then if you really want to be ignorant, you could say Notre Dame. Or Notre Dame, or but Notre that's Dame. a university. Yeah, somebody yeah. told me that last night. They thought, the university's burning down? Leave so, it to the Americans. Yeah. I bet the people in France just cringe when they hear the word Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I have to tell you my story. Okay. I've been to Notre Dame a couple of times. Of course you have. And <laughs> the first time was New Year's Eve, 1973, or actually on the eve of 1974, a few months before I was ordained a priest. Sure. And we were on our way to Rome. We were going to spend a month, quote, unquote, studying in Rome. Uh -huh. uh, our seminary had a, a J term, a January term. So that we were taking a course at the uh, San Anselmo in, in Rome. But we stopped in Paris on the way. Mm -hmm. And it was night, probably about 9 o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock. We walked to the Seine, the river. And, of course, the cathedral's on an island in the river. Not everybody knows that. I didn't know that. So we walked there, and it was the most magnificent sight in my life. I, to this day, I would have to say, I've never seen a church building so splendid. I had studied French architecture. I, uh, I had taken courses in French, of course, and French civilization. So we studied French art yeah. and architecture and all of the medieval uh, structures, uh, the medieval cathedrals. Mm -hmm. And I know some others are considered more pure uh, Gothic architecture, but nothing, nothing I've ever seen compared with that experience that night. Well, and I'm sure none of the pictures, you know, everybody is looking at what, what did it look like before, you know, for yeah. those of us that have never been there. Um, I'm sure pictures don't do it justice. And of course, I saw it at night and there were lots of lights on from the outside. I'm not even sure that we went in. I don't recall. Because I think it was locked. Have you gone in other times? Yes, I have. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just saying before we started recording, Bishop Robert Barron uh, posted on his social media channel today uh, a little ref excerpt from the Catholicism series that he did uh, where he's standing in 
the cathedral uh, and he does a, a reflection about a two minute reflection on the rose window yeah. kind of explaining some of the art in that stained glass but and it, it was just it was um i don't want to say it was an experiment in architecture but they were doing some things because again building with stone and wooden roofs they could not make they made them high but they could not make them wide that's mm. the the thing about gothic but gothic always was tall and majestic like you're reaching to heaven yeah but to maintain these walls that went up so high, they created what was called flying buttresses. And I remember studying fly, flying buttresses. They're basically things on the outside that literally hold up the side walls. Hmm. And it never sounded very, it almost like uh, sounded like a, a little lean-to or something. Yeah. Uh, but when you see them, they were so great. I was it thinking was like, a, a buttress doesn't sound like something that you're allowed to have in church. Like, yeah. leave your buttress in the car. No, a, a, fly, right. a, fly, a flying buttress. <laughs> a fly, a flying, no flying but, buttresses yeah. here, please. But anyway, it was so splendid. And everybody who knows me knows the church is people. Yeah. But sometimes architecture really speaks a lot. And this was great, great architecture. You know, it, it's another great example, too, of just the universality of the family of the Catholic Church that... When one part of the church is mourning, I think we all mourn together. And, um, you know, just the priceless artifacts. I immediately thought of, you know, were they able to get inside to get the Eucharist out of the tabernacle? Exactly. You know, th- those yes. types of things. And, yeah. um, and I don't know the answers to there's a, As I told you before we went on the air, I haven't watched a whole lot of news. So I'm not sure what was a, they were able to save, except it sounds like they're going to rebuild. And I just came from the Chrism Mass, and Bishop Thomas used that as a metaphor that uh, we have to constantly be rebuilding the church. Mm-hmm. I did read online that two French billionaires have promised already pr- to provide funds to help rebuild it. Yeah. That's what we needed here. You needed your French billionaires. And, and our sculptor, Tim Schmalls, has also offered to help provide sculpture. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Free free of charge. Free of charge. I, I was going to do something free of charge, too, but they don't want my sculptures. They saved the organ. I got my Play-Doh. They did save the organ. But the, elect- yeah. the, the electric uh, keyboard, it melted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, let's. we're talking Easter, so we, 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 we need to get right to it. Sure. Do you want to review anything about this upcoming week? Any thoughts on... Well, people are going to hear this on Thursday. So Thursday night, come... Uh, very, very holy experience. I was talking to some parents of First Communion kids who had brought their kids in previous year because this is not their first child in First Communion. Yeah. And they found it so splendid for the parents. Oh, it's just uh, such a beautiful Getting ready liturgy. for Eucharist. Uh, we had our rehearsal last night. and uh, The music rehearsal. Yeah, yes. our music rehearsal. And it was about four hours long. But I find myself every year just falling in love with this music over and over again. And... Um, just the way that the liturgy flows for Thursday and then into Friday is, and then Good Friday is hard for me to top. To me, Good Friday, um, of course, the Easter Vigil is the highlight, but Good Friday is where it's and just like the big cross in our church pulls the whole architectural uh, image together. Yeah, Good Friday pulls our faith together, mm. but it's not death without hope, and that's why we go into Easter. Right. And so ideally, people go to Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and, and Easter. Now, I've noticed a kind of a different audience. There are some who come to audience, assembly. There, uh, there are some people who come to everything. Yeah. But there's some who come on Holy Thursday, but not Good Friday. Some who come on Good Friday, but not Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I've been encouraging people to go to those two both. You know, for somebody um, 
that has done this as many times as you have in your priesthood or and even before you were a priest, how do you continue to reflect on this Paschal mystery each year and take something new away from it? Or what, what keeps it sacred in your mind? As there, you there are two in? things you have to do. One is you have to reread the scriptures. Yeah. You know, you have to keep going back and rereading the scripture. It speaks to you differently each time. Mm-hmm. The other one is you immerse yourself in the people, the worshiping people, and what's going on in their lives. Mm. You know, what are the experiences? Uh, what are people hungering for? What are they crying out for? And how does the scripture respond to that? Yeah. And, you know, if I ever go back and look at my homilies from previous years, I might say, oh, that was nice, but I wouldn't do that again. Mm. You know, because I, that's not where I'm at or where the church is, sure. the people. Yeah. And of course, you know, as we've said, this is a year that we've really been looking forward to being able to celebrate this in our new worship space the, for the, the first time. The bishop said that to me this morning. I was talking to him at the luncheon after the uh, chrism mass, and he said, oh, yeah, this is your first triduum in the new church building. And I said, oh, yes, bishop, it's everything new. And I said, we're, we're really taking time to walk through it. And then one of my uh, classmate friends said, uh, are you pretty excited? And I said, yes, but I'll probably do it better next year. Now, uh-huh. I shouldn't say that aloud because then people <laughs> will skip this year and wait for the better one. No, you should still come. Yeah, still come. Uh, but by this year, we're going to be trying to use the space correctly, even like the baptisms at the Easter Vigil sure. in the baptismal font, and how do you totally incorporate all the people in the assembly in, the, in, in that. Right. Um, I think what we've worked out is very good. So mm-hmm. we'll, we, we will see. Yeah, we always learn by doing, and... Uh, always, you know, looking to improve and, and just providing the most prayerful uh, ex- experience and act of worship that we can. Okay, now what we're going to do is real quickly, we're going to read the gospel reading for Easter morning. Okay. There are three gospel readings. There's one for the Easter vigil. There's one for Easter morning. And then there's one for Easter afternoon, which... Um, is not going to be, that's the road to Emmaus. So we will not be using that, and I don't know how many churches actually do. But we're going to, the one for the Easter Vigil is from Luke's Gospel. Okay. The one for Easter morning is from John's Gospel. John chapter 20. Chapter 20, verses 1 to 9. Uh, Would you read that, please? Sure. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. Okay, this is the resurrection of the Lord, and who is not in this story? The Lord. The Lord. The tomb is empty. So we have Mary of Magdala, we have Peter, and the other disciple, who is John. Mm -hmm. And they saw and believed. By the way, uh, Mary 
gave testimony of what she saw, it's not like Peter, I really don't think it's like Peter and John did not believe her. But, you know, good news, I want to see it myself. I want to go. I want to be there. But don't you think, okay, I, I agree to an extent, but don't you think any rational human being would say, say what? I got to go see. I got to. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying. They, but they, even if they believed her, they still wanted to see for themselves. Yeah. But also it's very important because they are the ones giving testimony. She gave testimony to them, but they end up giving testimony to the whole world. Hmm. So it has to be with their own eyes yeah. giving testimony. Now, of course, later on, Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Sure. We hear that later on. In that's, fact, we'll hear that next week. That's us. That's the following week. Now, keep that in mind. Now I'm going to read the Gospel of Luke from the Easter Vigil. At daybreak on the first day of the week, the women who had come from Galilee with Jesus took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled back, a rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were puzzling over this, behold, two men in dazzling garments appeared to them, they, the, the women, they were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. They, the men, said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has been raised. Remember what he said. Remember what he said to you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and announced all these things to the eleven and to all the others. The women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. The others who accompanied them also told this to the apostles. But their stories seemed like nonsense, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, bent down, and saw the burial cloths alone. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Similarities, differences. Sure. But it's this, is, this is kind of fun when you can do some compare and contrast. Well, you know, again, neither one is trying to say so much as this is the historical step-by-step, -step, so much as this is a statement of faith. Mm. And... They are from very different backgrounds, so the story, the versions are different. And yet, it's the resurrection of the Lord. Where's the Lord in Luke's gospel? He's having coffee. He's not there. <laughs> so so we have two accounts, and both of them are the empty tomb. Sure. I remember one year that was my, my Easter homily. I started off with a riddle. When is one, someone there when he's not there? And I was... I was basically talking about the absence Yeah, speaks as loud as the presence, but because we become conscious of the presence of the risen Lord in the absence of the, the dead body. So this year for your homily, you're just going to walk out of the church and we're going to say, now that's a good homily in his absence. We learned a lot. <laughs> We've heard enough of him <laughs> after 14 years. You know, if everybody starts applauding, I'll say, I'll say, I get the message. <laughs> right. Right. Um, no, I think that's very profound, though. You know, yes, the main character of both of these accounts does not actually appear. And I remember one year that was my meditation for certainly all of Holy Week and probably two or three weeks before Holy Week. Yeah. The empty tomb.
but the, I think the uh, empty tomb. I think it's it's very profound. My mind is wondering. So what was he doing? Where was he? I want to know now. This is going to be part of your book. Uh, I'm afraid to touch that one. <laughs> the now this one has the the two men, the angels. By the way, one of the things, and it's a it's a translation problem. In translating the scriptures from the Greek, they often use the the pronouns like they or he or sure uh, without the the actual noun, and so sometimes. It might be a, a very precise translation, but it's not clear in English. Mm-hmm. So they were terrified. Who was terrified? The men or the the women? Right. The women. Well, the, I noticed you clarifying as you. I reading. did that a couple of places. Right. I did that because otherwise you don't know who they're referring to. Well, you know, my intellectual level is below average, so you just wanted to make sure I understood. Yes. Uh, I, you know what? I I don't quite believe that, but. You're, <laughs> I thought you were just not going to touch that one. I'm not going to touch that one. There's way too many things I can't touch. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Surely. What are some of your um, fondest memories of Easter from your parents? Not from a holidays pers- perspective, but them sharing the hope of the resurrection with you. I'm really putting you on the spot here. I think the best one I can pick up right off the top of my mind was about a week or two before my mom died. My father was already deceased. Dad, mom was, uh, dad was deceased. Mom was about going on 88, mm-hmm. 87 years old. The very last month of her life, she was in a nursing home. And uh, she had severe asthma. She'd have these asthmatic attacks, and they would almost kill her. In fact, eventually that's what happened. Her heart gave out. Mm-hmm. But when she didn't have the asthmatic attacks, she was pretty good. And she was in this nursing home, it was in September, and she kept a journal. And one morning she wrote, she said, I'm up early, and the sun is coming through, and I see the sunlight. And then she added, she said, soon I will be living in the light. Mm. That was about as far as she went. And then, But I, I think I have a copy of that. She kept a journal, but she would not have called it a journal. She just had a notebook, and she would write something on each day or a couple times a day, and she'd rip out the pages yeah. and give it to whoever came. So after her death, my brothers and sisters and I, we we gathered up these pages and put them together. That's pretty cool. But the, the whole idea for her, she totally believed in resurrection. There was no question about it. Uh, I, th- I th- young When we were younger, we didn't do it talking about Easter itself, but you know, we grew up on a farm and yeah. so we had all the signs of new life and new growth. And, uh, we had a lot of barn cats and they were semi wild. I mean, we played with them, so they weren't feral, but, <laughs> but they, they kind of took care of themselves. We would feed them. Sure. Uh, and they were good mousers, but that's the word mouser. A cat sure, can be a that's mouser. What, uh, that's what they do. They, it's like a they, fisher. A mice, miser, mouser. Come follow me and I will make okay. you mousers of men. No, mousers of mice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so so they would, uh, you know, they'd usually have a litter in the spring. Uh-huh. Uh, we'd always get uh, a lot of new chicks. My, my mother raised the chickens and took care of them. Of course, all the plants. Dad could not wait to get the grain in the ground. Sure. He was not professionally a farmer. He was a mechanic, but we had some ground that we would be farmed. Uh, it was always so full of life, and it was the signs were all around us, and I think that was part of the attraction. They just knew 
what goes into the ground comes out again and comes out more bountifully. Well, the reason I asked you this, I was just having a conversation today uh, and talking about, like, as parents, how are we sharing our hope and our love of the faith? And I think Easter is such a, I mean, it is the, the, the centerpiece of the liturgical year that, um, you know, it's not just making sure that you go to church on Easter, but really sharing with our families, maybe our children, if they're little or teenagers or adults, uh, or friends or sisters or brothers, whoever it may be that, you know, there is hope in the resurrection and, uh, but, but to really do it well, and our family did, we always went to church on Good Friday. So you have to go through the process. You have to die to rise. Mm. I feel sorry for people who only go on Easter and they might feel somewhat lifted up, yeah. but there's going to be something quite, not quite full. Sure. You have to die to rise. That's great. I mean, seriously, it's how can you, if you don't have that, it's not a true resurrection. No, true. And I, I you know, some people I've heard, I don't like to think about Good Friday because it just makes me so sad to think about what well, happened. I've, I've had people say, I can't go to church on Good Friday. Yeah. And I will say, come on, you, you know, uh, maybe you've got issues, but it's part of our faith. You know, it gets it gets us to Easter Sunday for sure. Well, I'm excited to celebrate this week with you and uh, to celebrate Easter this Sunday. I think it's just going to be a joyous day. Uh, for for my for my childhood, I really remember going to church and just all of the 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 sensory images. You know, being overwhelmed by the music and the incense and um, and the flowers. Everything's a little over the top. Yeah, and it's almost sp- supposed to be because Easter itself is over the top. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you for Easter this weekend and next Next week. Next week, number 100. And I'll get some Dalmatians for the following week. (laughs) That's 101. Thank you. See you guys. Bye.